Hi, and thanks for joining me today. I come to you a couple of days late due to some unexpected demands this week. But I'm going to start with a great story. You know, I was chatting with a couple of friends the other night over dinner and uh, saying that I'd heard at some stage that if a child comes into your house, I can't remember whether it was 10 minutes or half an hour every week for a while, their future can change. It can impact the way they do family for the rest of their life. So if they've come from quite a negative experience and they end up having a positive experience just for a few minutes a week, it can totally change everything. And one of the girls who was there said, well, I'd never really thought of it, but that was my experience. And she went on to share that she's got a lovely mum, but they'd had a lot of struggles and difficulties in their family life. And there was this woman who invited her over when she was a little girl once a week. She taught her to cook, she taught her to bake. And then when they'd finished cooking, they'd sit down to a meal together with the lady and her husband. And over time, she taught her some domestic chores and just some ways to keep the house tidy and clean and then she would read to her and teach her to read and take her home again and this happened on an ongoing basis just for a short span in her life and I said to her how's that impacted your family life going on and she said I have totally modeled my family life on that experience she said we sit down to family home-cooked meals today because of that woman and I found it really quite emotional to hear I was sharing it with one of my sons today because I guess it affirms me as a foster carer that even if we only get children for a couple of months and then they move on that that little bit of influence that little bit of structure and input and functional family life can actually change their whole future but casting that net slightly wider I would also want to say that I think there are people that you're influencing. There are people whose parents might be having a struggle or a difficult time or experiencing depression or one child is so taking it out of them that the other child's getting kind of lost in the mix. And the fact that they might spend a bit of time in your home from one week to the next or over a period of time can totally change their vision for how they do family when they grow older. So I just want to offer that encouragement to you because it massively encouraged me. Now, as you know, we're in a season of exploring the Enneagram, the nine personality types of the Enneagram. And the Enneagram is a powerful tool for personal growth. I find it massively helpful in the coaching room in just helping myself to understand people and helping them to understand themselves. It's a brilliant growth tool. It's a great tool for self-awareness. And it's a personality typing system that shows distinct patterns of thought and behavior and emotional reactions within the nine different groups. And I was chatting to somebody this evening and she was saying, do you know, when you first started this Enneagram series, I thought, no, this isn't my gig at all. And as the weeks went on, she was like, oh, actually, I see my husband in that. And this is really interesting. And so she jumped ahead and she's got a, she's looked it up and worked out what type she is. So go with me if you're sceptical and just see if you can get something out of it. Because if it's blessed her, who was a real sceptic, I'm so sure it will bless you too. So this week we're exploring the Enneagram Type 2, also known as the Helper. 
They're described as kind, attentive and present for those in need. This character type is emotionally intuitive. They have this ability of kind of seeing other people's needs and desires, even when they're not obvious to everybody else. Do you have a child or someone in your life who's always there for others? That sometimes puts other people's emotional or physical needs above their own, above their own priorities. They might be an Enneagram too. What does that matter? Well, because if we can look at their strengths and their weaknesses and their core motivation, key piece of the Enneagram, we'll see that they might be deriving their significance from the things that they do for others. And as parents, we can help them to create a healthy balance in their lives and work out where to increase their own sense of personal significance outside of getting it from being a helper to others. So let's walk through the lovely characteristics and the superpowers of an Enneagram 2, as well as their more challenging characteristics. These traits will be relevant to adults as well as our children, so look out for your friends, your family or your partner in the description. And then we're going to round it back to parenting and I'll share five ways to parent the helper the Enneagram 2, that will help them to grow in their self-esteem. And people with a positive, healthy self-esteem are easier to be around and they find life easier too. We'll start with strengths. Enneagram 2 individuals have many strengths that make them valuable members of any group, a community, a school class, a family, a friendship group or a workplace. And here are some of those strengths. They have this ability to be attuned to the emotional needs of others, as I mentioned before, and they're skilled at reading minute social cues, and they can interpret the emotional needs of others. They seem to have this innate ability to understand others and actually a willingness to put themselves in other people's shoes, which, as we know, can be uncomfortable at times. They're naturally warm and they're friendly and they make other people around them feel comfortable. They're often generous with their time, their resources and their emotional support. They enjoy giving to others and get such satisfaction from making a positive impact on someone else's life. They also have an ability to resolve conflicts while still keeping their own relationships in good shape. That's a gift, isn't it? And they can use that skill to mediate for others, to bring people together who are in dispute and find a bit of a win-win situation in those places of discord. They have great interpersonal skills and they tend to create strong connections with those around them. Sound like anyone you know, feel familiar to you or think you might have a child that's similar. I know that I have a child who, even when he was very young, if I was not having a great day, but you're overlaying it, aren't you, with smiles and cheer and doing all the right things, he would be the one that would come up to him and say, Mommy, are you okay? Is something wrong? And I think, my goodness, he must just see right inside my head. So have you got a child like that? Here are some words you might hear when the Enneagram 2 is being described. Empathetic, Compassionate, warm, kind, generous, diplomatic, hospitable, emotionally intelligent. 
They're often drawn in the long term to careers in healthcare, social work, education, counselling, therapy, where they can use that compassion and empathy to help others and provide comfort and support and empowerment. Now, I know a lot of people are kind and compassionate and nice to be around, but it's worth looking behind all of those layers and seeing whether they've all got the same deep motivation in life, that kind of desire sometimes to serve others above their own needs. And we're going to explore why that is in a minute. And like all Enneagram types, the type twos also have their share of weaknesses and blind spots. They can be overly self-sacrificing, put the needs of others before their own to the point of neglecting their own well-being. They may also struggle with boundaries and become overly involved in other people's problems and lose sight of their own needs and goals. This is because they can be driven by a need to feel loved and valued. And this was the motivation point I was pressing on. Beneath their warm, generous exterior, type twos often struggle with a deep-seated fear of rejection and being unloved. And they may feel that they're only valued for what they can do for others, rather than for who they are as individuals. And that fear can drive them to become people-pleasers, constantly seeking that validation and affirmation from others. And they might find it hard to say no when people request help. And let's look even deeper at the next layer down. They can fear being seen as selfish or unhelpful if they don't meet other people's needs. And if they believe that their value as a person is tied to their ability to help others, they may feel guilty or ashamed if they're not able to meet the needs of those around them. This can cause them to struggle with setting boundaries and asserting themselves, as they fear that that could result in other people seeing them as uncaring or unloving, and in turn, they might potentially get to feel rejected. Their overexertion towards other people's needs can lead to burnout. Also, if they feel that their efforts to help others are not appreciated or reciprocated, they may become resentful, and that in turn can lead to anger. And I don't necessarily mean the kind of loud verbal anger, but actually more of a simmering, deep-seated anger. Their kindness and support is genuine, but it can be motivated by a need for external validation. And that's where they can fall into the temptation of getting their sense of self-worth from the approval and appreciation of others. And that can become a bottomless pit as they chase a constant need for validation and recognition. In therapeutic terms, they over-identify with other people and can struggle to maintain their own sense of identity when they're overly invested in the lives of others. Another word for that is codependence. They may feel a need to rescue or fix other people, which can lead to an unhealthy dynamic in the relationship. Sound like anyone you know? Your child might not be exhibiting all of these traits, but if you're seeing some of them or the beginnings of some of them, pay attention. You might recognise that child who maybe is always busy helping and supporting and being needed. And that could be a moment in time to stop and wonder, could this be an Enneagram type two? Could their core motivation be interrupting their real needs? 
and then you can steer them towards the healthy side of a type 2 which is fabulous and full of superpowers. I remember being in a setting with a large group including families and there was one lovely girl who was always cuddling a baby, helping a toddler, carrying a bag, making a sandwich or a coffee for someone and I noticed that she made a great difference to many of the mums who were juggling multiple children. But I also noticed that it was very hard to get this girl to stop, to engage with the group, to receive support from anyone around her. So as kind and lovely as she was, the myriad of distractions that enabled her to feel valued made her actually hard to connect with and it disrupted the group dynamic. Do you know anyone who's so busy doing that sometimes they forget the being? So there it is, there are some areas that the kind and helpful and supportive type 2 could hone so that they don't burn out spending themselves on those around them or build up frustration and resentment or anger in their effort to be needed. The best thing that we can do for them is to help them to find their internal sense of significance. So with all the lovely things we've said about type 2s, it might be quite hard to hear that the type 2 struggles with pride. Looks like humility, doesn't it? Paradoxically, with all that selfless support, their heart is often seeking appreciation. They long for the words that tell them that people just don't know what to do without them. Couldn't do it without you. Meeting everybody else's needs whilst appearing to have none of their own enables them to persuade themselves that it's others that are needy and they are the grand answer. And there's your pride. I don't need anyone. I'm all everyone needs. Everyone else is needy. But actually my ego, my pride gets fed by being needed. So deep in their hearts they're seeking to fulfil a never-ending quota of appreciation for meeting other people's needs. Extreme as that sounds, the point is to look past their generosity and see what it is that they really need from us so that they don't exhaust themselves trying to find it throughout the rest of their lives. Let's have a little peek into childhood, shall we? Somewhere in the childhood of an Enneagram 2, they may well have experienced their needs being overlooked. Easily done in any home, certainly easily done in ours. But the exact same experience for two very different children can have totally opposing perspectives, depending on the message that the child assumed in that experience. In the case of an Enneagram Type 2, it could well be that they felt that if they expressed their needs, it might end up with rejection. Their needs not being met felt humiliating. It felt like a push away. It probably wasn't, but it's just how they read it at the time. Another child might have gone over their head, or they might have read something completely different about it. Mum's busy. Dad's doing something else. But the Enneagram 2 picked up... I'm being rejected here. And so they spend their lives trying to not feel rejected. Funny, isn't it, how one pivotal moment of core belief can shape us for the future. But don't worry, there's loads of hope of what we can do to pour into that and even it out with their superpowers. Parenting can be wonderful, but it can be tough at times too. 
If you'd like to reduce the stress in your home, if you'd like a kinder home, kids that listen and who thrive emotionally, pop me an email and I'll share ways that I as a coach can help you and your family. And also, if you haven't got a copy of my book, Parenting for Life yet, you'll find that at thecourageousmama.com. And this month, I'm offering a free 15-minute one-to-one micro-coach with each copy sold. Parents often say, can you just be on my shoulder when my child dot dot dot? Well, now I can. I've learned that sometimes you've just got stuck on a small thing and you want a quick helping hand for a specific scenario. So here's a way that you can do that. Pop onto The Courageous Mama, order a copy of Parenting for Life for yourself, for a friend, for a Christmas present, and I'll make a time to chat with you about that issue that's getting in the way of your connected relationship with one of your children or all of your children. Now, back to the podcast. It's tough as a parent to hear that in our concentrated attempts to be all that we can be for our children, that they might have picked up a hidden message that we never meant to send. In our flawed moments, they heard something that we weren't saying. But perhaps we need to reconcile that we will have flawed moments and that there will be unintended messages. We're not perfect. But the good news is that if we can work out what our children have picked up and the habits that they're forming based on their core beliefs, we can see that there are wonderful attributes that emerge from the good and the poorer moments of family life and that we can support them in the tipping points of these traits so that they don't become unhealthy. In short, we're not perfect and we are empowered to create change if we take the time to understand the depths of meaning underneath the behaviours of our children. Whether these behaviours are negative or positive, we're empowered. That's the good news. So let's have a little sum up. The Enneagram 2's passion for helping others can sometimes lead them to overextending themselves and neglecting their own needs. They may struggle with setting boundaries and saying no and become resentful when they feel like their efforts aren't being appreciated or reciprocated. And the superpowers of the type two is their seer-like ability to see other people's needs and emotions and empathetically rise to meet those needs. And secondly, their natural ability at mediation. Loads more, but those are the two main ones that stick out for me. And our role as parents is to see if there are some characteristics that we can help our children to harness for good so that their challenges, which have given them their superpower, are not used for self-defence or survival, but for good, strong mental well-being and for healthy connection with others. So if you have a child who has many of these characteristics I've shared here, with your help, they can learn to put boundaries in for themselves grow their self-esteem so that they can regulate that need for affirmation and tune into their own needs and find empowered ways to express themselves confidently. Otherwise, they might end up being overbearing or needy and that might cause the people around them to need some space for them. And nobody wants that for their child. And bear in mind that I've shared previously that there are the stressed and secure ends of any spectrum. 
So an Enneagram 2 who is chilled will be less inclined to rise to everybody's needs and more in tune with some of their own. But even a healthy, well-adjusted Enneagram 2 who's in stress mode can get into that spin of needing to feel significant. It's their go-to place when they're feeling under pressure or insecure. When you see your child stretching themselves to be the answer to all of the emotional and practical needs of everyone around them, of you, your partner, brothers, sisters, you name it, that could be a clue that you have a type two and they're possibly feeling under pressure. And if you're recognising that you might have a helper among your children, let's look at some ways that we can bring out the best in them. Well, first we can celebrate their kindness, their generosity and their empathy and their ability to read other people's unspoken needs. And then let's look at five ways we can parent them well. These are great ways to parent in general, but they're specifically powerful in parenting a child who may be a type two on the Enneagram. They're also great ways to nurture a friend or a family member who has type two characteristics. You might be married to one, but I'm gonna focus on the kids and then you can adapt it accordingly. Number one, help them to set boundaries and say no. I know it's woke to never say no to children, but how do they in turn learn to set boundaries and protect themselves? I've heard myself say to parents, what word do you want your son or daughter to use when someone has a physical or sexual expectation of them that's over and above what they're willing to offer? No, that's what we want, we want to teach them. No, no can be a really good sentence. And if they never hear it, they won't know how to use it healthily. Receiving and affirming their words when they're trying to say no will build their confidence. If their language is wishy-washy, give them the clear words they need and let them see that it ends well for them when they reasonably say no. I hear you when they're saying, no, I won't do the dishwasher and no, I won't help around the house. But I'm talking about when they're putting their personal boundaries in place or when they're saying that's too much or actually I can't stretch to that. Hear them and help them to find different ways of saying no that's comfortable for them if no feels too aggressive to start with. And above all, teach them that they can pause between a question and an answer. Give them some sentences. For example, I'll think about it. I'd like to help, but I need to look at what I've got on this week. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. That feels overwhelming because I've got a lot on. Help them to see that each time they rescue, they actually take a job or opportunity for growth away from someone else if it wasn't their place to meet that need. Funny thought, isn't it? And model healthy boundaries for yourself. If you're an overhelper, a people pleaser, or stretch past your capacity to help others, try pulling back, finding your one-liners. I'll think about it, I'll call you back. And then share that process with your child as you reassert your own boundaries. That is great modeling. That said, recognize and acknowledge their contributions. They are needing that affirmation that they look for. And twos will often go out of their way to help others. It's part of their thoughtfulness. 
So even though you're helping them to dial back to a healthy space, it is important to also recognise and acknowledge their contributions. That can help them to feel valued and appreciated. Number two, help them to receive. Gosh, some people are so bad at this. It can be a connection builder. When they're set on being the answer, they can be almost sort of, I want to say too proud to see that others also like being the answer at times. Leaving space for someone else to be the answer won't impede their independence or their sense of self-worth. It simply says that we all need each other and it releases them from the responsibility of always being the only answer. That can be a heavy weight to bear. This includes them learning to ask for help. Let them know that it blesses you and others to be making a difference in their world and help them to accept the compliments and praise. In spite of the fact of longing for that affirmation, they can often wave it away like it means nothing at all. Isn't it awkward when people can't accept a compliment? And it's as simple as giving children a one-liner. You know how I love a one-liner. So they can say, oh, thank you for saying so, or just thank you, or that's really encouraging, or it's lovely to be appreciated. It's a way of affirming the person who's grateful because that person might have a need to know that their compliment made a difference. It's really odd, isn't it, when you give a compliment and someone just cannot receive it. They probably haven't been taught how to. Number three, number three, help them to develop independence. Enneagram type twos often define themselves by their relationships and their ability to help others. We've explored that, haven't we? And that's, as we know, linked to their sense of self-esteem. So work out what brings them joy outside of that. Pursuing personal goals or hobbies, making decisions for themselves without seeking the approval of others to back their choices. This will help them to develop independence and confidence in their own choices and dare to meet their own needs. Encourage them also to cultivate relationships with healthy dynamics. Enneagram 2s are often drawn to relationships where they can be of service to others. However, it's important for them to also cultivate relationships where they feel valued and appreciated for who they are rather than just what they can do for others. That will build their self-esteem. And just to add to that, encourage them to do things anonymously so that they get into the practice of doing things that aren't for praise or affirmation. It's a really good practice for the helper. Number four, practice self-care. The helper can sometimes neglect their own needs in favour of this helping others that we've seen. It's important to help them to take time for themselves. Even if that means resting or enjoying themselves or enjoying a hobby whilst other people are getting things done. And it can mean developing self-empathy. The needs they perceive of others around them can actually feel overwhelming. It's a bit like having the TV news on the whole time on a loop, that kind of never-ending list of unmet needs and difficulties. And that can cause the helper to be focused constantly on where they should be offering help. 
taking an interest in their needs and deficits and worries and hopes and desires and dreams will normalise healthy self-interest for them and then help them to turn it into self-questioning and self-compassion such as looking at how they can fulfil their own needs or ask for support and encouraging them to be kind to themselves when they're under stress will train their minds not to fill that void by meeting everybody else's needs but to tune in and seek to resolve their own. This is a practice that will help them as they mature and to mature. Number five, meeting their needs. Twos can benefit from practicing expressing their needs. Notice when they've buried them and ask a question to elicit those desires and hopes. It might not be that they'll ask for a pony or a space rocket and it could quite likely be that they just need some time or some attention or some help with something. So make space to feel available to find that need and meet it. And get them into the practice of talking about themselves whilst you quietly pay attention. And then thank them for sharing. Tell them it meant something to you that they shared that. Some people find that indulgent and they just need a little nudge. Twos can benefit from being more aware of their own inner experiences and learn to be present for themselves in the moment, even if there are needs all around them that are calling. It's not failure to have limits and self-care. So to conclude, type twos are warm and caring and empathetic individuals who have the superpower to see other people's needs, connect with them, meet them and be a peacemaker and bring harmony between different parties. However, when they become overly focused on the needs of others and neglect their own needs, they can become unbalanced and lose touch with their true selves. By practicing self-care, learning to receive, developing independence, cultivating empathy for themselves and good healthy friendships, practicing assertiveness, they can achieve greater health and balance in their lives. And that's where you and I are crucial to our children. And remember that whilst I'm focusing on children, keep your antenna up for whether these characteristics are strong in yourself or people that you know, so that whilst you can help your kids, you can also be compassionate to yourself or others with this fresh understanding. Have a great week. I'll see you next time.